of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Welcome to the Active Worship Podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Great to be with you here today. Thank you for joining me on this journey through the book of Psalms in the Psalm Project. And hopefully these musical settings have been beneficial to you. Um, I find, for me personally, it is easier to memorize music or text set to music than it is to just memorize text. And so, um, sometimes... If you have a song or a text that is set to a song, you can remember it much easier. And so hopefully these psalms penetrate your heart um, and allow life change to happen. And we are here today in Psalm 84, no longer Psalms of Asaph, uh, but here we are in Psalm 84, a psalm of the sons of Korah. It is titled to the choir master, according to the Githith, some sort of musical instruction there. So this psalm, um, it expresses the author's deep longing for the presence of God. And while Christians do not have to travel to a special place or a location to enjoy God's presence, the psalm gives voice to the yearning and happiness experienced in Christ's newness. And so, um, you know, other faiths, you have to travel pilgrim, uh, take a pilgrimage to uh, a location. Um, Jesus himself in John chapter 4, when talking to the woman at the well, he said, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem would you worship the Father. You'll worship in spirit and in truth. And so God does not dwell simply in temples and tabernacles, but we can be near to him now, thanks to the mediation of Jesus Christ. So, Uh, This psalm gives a voice to someone who yearns and longs for God. Probably one of the most famous musical settings of at least a portion of this psalm is the uh, Better is One Day in Your Courts by Matt Redman. I'm pretty sure that setting came out maybe when I was in high school. Uh, You're probably familiar with at least the chorus. Better is one day in your courts. Better is one day in your house. Um, that was a very popular one at that time, and uh, I think for good reason, a very good uh, setting of at least a portion of this psalm. Uh, let me read for you the psalm, and then we'll get into my commentary here in Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. 
O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. So there's a few things that uh, stand out here that I want to point out to you. Uh, beginning in verse 1, kind of the overarching theme of this entire psalm. The dwelling place of God. How lovely is your dwelling place. Now what the psalmist is probably referring to here is the temple. The place which God chose to reveal his presence to the people. And we've seen references to the temple so often in the book of Psalms, and this is yet another one. Verse 2, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. So the true object of the psalmist's devotion is not the location, it's not the temple, but the God who revealed himself there. Israel was often tempted to forget God and rely on the external trappings of religion. And a good example of that is Jeremiah 7. It discusses the evil in the land. And the question is posed to the Israelites. Behold, you trust in deceptive words to no avail. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear swear falsely, make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered only to go on doing these abominations? The same question can be asked of us today. Do we worship God in vain? Do we claim to pour out our hearts in worship, at least on Sunday, and then live a different way during the week. And, and you know, to, to a degree, we are all hypocrites in some way. As we, Even as we are being sanctified, we make mistakes. But there comes a point where it is just blatant rebellion. And that's what happened to Israel. So Israel is, is reminded here, or we as God's people are reminded, not to rely on anything but God. The focus of our lives, the very, you know, I, I always uh, despise the saying, make God number one in your life, as if there's a priority list and God is number one. He's at the top. And I get what people are saying, that he's the most important. The reality is God should be the entire priority list. He should be at the top of your family, at the top of your work, at the top of your school your hobbies, your interests. God should permeate every part of our lives. Verse 3 speaks of the sparrow and the swallow. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself. Now, (laughs) chase a rabbit here. Anytime I see the word swallow, I have to think of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. You know, the, the knights of the round table, they're carrying the, they're not riding horses, they're just kind of galloping themselves and banging coconuts together. <laughs> Y'all banging coconuts together, where did the coconuts come from? A swallow, a swallow, how did a swallow get here? 
It's not a question of where he grips it, it's a simple question of white ratio. A five-ounce swallow cannot carry a one-pound coconut. Okay, I told you I had to chase a rabbit there, but anytime I see the word swallow, I'm thinking of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Kind of like, you know, you, you hear certain words and they just remind you of things. Uh, the uh, former Congressman Newt Gingrich, uh, former Speaker of the House, anytime I heard the name Newt, it also reminded me of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. She turned me into a Newt! So, <laughs> enough of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Let's go on. With Psalm 84. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself. So note here the playful envy expressed by the psalmist. He is jealous of the birds who are able to build their homes near the altar. And so in this way, he expresses his deepest longings to be as close as possible to God. In verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Now, we began the book of Psalms and the Psalm Project discussing this word blessed. It is more than just being happy. But this type of blessedness comes only to those who find their hope and faith in Jesus Christ. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. That is the temple and then in verse 5, blessed are those whose strength is in you. The, their vitality in life is found in God's power, not in their own power. And then it goes on and says, in whose heart are the highways to Zion? People living outside of Jerusalem during this time would make special trips to the temple to enjoy God's presence in worship. Often, the songs of ascent were probably used, and I will discuss those when we get there. I can't remember if I have mentioned the songs of ascent or not. Uh, this is Psalms 120 through 134. They are known as the songs of ascent, and they were often sung on the way up to the temple in Jerusalem. The people would sing these psalms, and so we'll get there um, if I haven't mentioned it before, you hear it now. The songs of ascent. If somebody on the street were to walk up to you and and put a million dollars on the line and say, what are the songs of ascent? You could say Psalm 120 through Psalm 134 and let them know that. Then verse 6. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. This is a name of a valley otherwise unknown. Uh, there is a similar sounding Hebrew verb that means to weep, and others identify the noun of this place as a certain kind of tree that flourishes in dry places like the, um, uh, the balsam tree or the aspen tree. And the context here indicates that the valley is arid but transformed by the presence of joyful pilgrims. Uh, some, some possibilities are uh, the Valley of Rephaim in 2 Samuel 5.18. That's a possible identification. Also, Joshua 7.24, the Valley of Acre. So there's a few possibilities, but really it's unknown. And, and I've t discussed this before. Remember, Hebrew translators sometimes, so th they've got a very difficult task. You're trying to translate something that is written backwards from right to left instead of left to right. No spaces and no punctuation. So they're trying to translate this. Also, it's an ancient language. Um, and, and there are instances where there is something that occurs in the Hebrew text of the Bible that is nowhere else to be found. So they have nothing to compare it to. For example, Joseph 
received a what from his father? A coat of many colors from Jacob. He received a coat of many colors. At least that's the idea that we get. Reality is nobody knows what he received. That is just what translators have put in the Bible because, I mean, he could have received a neon green convertible. Nobody would have known. It is a Hebrew word or a Hebrew term that is in the Bible and nowhere else and nobody has any clue what it was. Could have been a coat of many colors. It could have been a, a, a live parrot for all we know. We have no idea what it is. And this is one of those cases where um, this term, the Valley of Baca, is really nowhere else to be found in the scriptures. And so it's kind of <laughs> up in the air. But at any rate, it really indicates that it's sort of an arid place, but transformed by the presence of the pilgrims that are making the pilgrimage to worship God. Verse 7, they go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Again, the location of the temple. Verse 9, behold our shield, O God, look on the face of your anointed. The king is not only the political leader of Israel, but also the reflection of God's kingship on earth. Then in verse 11, for the Lord God is a son, that is S-U-N. You know, I I used to tell people that I'm so bright that my dad called me son, but a different kind of son, not S-O-N, but S-U-N. The metaphor here compares God to the son and praises him as the source of light and energy. And so the burning rays of the sun in the dry country east of the Mediterranean make it a suitable portrayal of God's power. And then I love this next part in verse 11. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. This, is, this reminds me of Romans 8, especially verse 32. He, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And this is after saying we know that all things work for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. If we are his people, God withholds nothing good from us. Even in the midst of turmoil and difficulties, we must always remember that these difficulties don't compare to the glory that we will receive in Christ Jesus. God, God, God withholds nothing good from his people. Those who are not his people, certainly all the good is withheld. Let's be thankful that we are his people and that God still is in the saving business, that there are people who do not know him and who can and who will know him. And so I am thankful for that. So this is a, um, a wonderful psalm of, of worship that just, just gets right at the heart of what we should desire as believers, to be near to God. How lovely is your dwelling place. I would rather be here with you, God, for one day than a thousand days, than a million days anywhere else in this world. You think of all the places in the world we could go. I mean, some people just have this overwhelming longing to live in a foreign country, live in, you know, in Europe and see the vast cathedrals and castles and just live in that kind of area. But may our hearts be such that that doesn't even compare to the fact that we, how much we want to be with our Lord and Savior. 
And so this is Psalm 84 set to music, makes a beautiful prayer. I hope you're blessed by this. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.
that one is blessed who makes his trust 